Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Now then, it's midweek. Hello. Oh, I'm fresh from loads of live music this weekend and having a great week. How are you doing? You all right, guys? Nice one. Yeah, we're treating you to another midweek episode of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. And today we have Burnley MC musician, Yusuf. Uh, I had a great good chat with him. Uh, great got to know him. Um, really nice insight into his life and... Now, the struggles of a working musician is different for everybody. Uh, and this episode's a real insight into how how it's different for everybody and, you know, the social settings that we're all in and how it is different. I really appreciated his honesty with uh, with this interview that's coming up soon as well about, the, about his life in Burnley and how difficult it can be, you know, being a creative in the environment that he's in. I'll let him talk all about it, you know, he's the expert. But yeah, this week I had a lovely weekend. I uh, went to see Apollo Junction at Gulliver's. Got a little bit, um, a little bit worse for wear. I went out with my mate Owen, who runs After All Festival, and kept getting shots in and stuff. Oh, I know. Uh, it was like uh, it was. It was like uh, you know the chocolate bar crunchy. It was whiskey, and it had like honey stuff in it, honeycomb stuff in it. Oh, I could murder on that. Oh, lovely. Too nice, though. Very Moorish. So I get a little bit pissed up, you know. But hey ho, it was a lovely night. Got to see the Apollo Junction boys. Said hello. Uh, watched Vivas as well. They were really impressed just how tight they're sounding these days. Band from Sheffield, band mates. So yeah, having a lovely weekend and week of music this week. Hope you have too. Hope you go, you know, getting through it. You know, we're, on th- we're it's Thursday now. We're nearly there, mate. Yeah, so uh, Yusuf, if you didn't know, has just released his new single called Fiend. Uh, within the description of this podcast is a link to the podcast. So that should all be sorted now. So check out his music. I'm really looking forward to introducing you to him, mate. So Yusuf, take it away, pal. Let's, let, let's do this chat thing. Hello, Carl. Hello, you doing all right, yeah? Yeah, I've s- sound thanks, mate. Sound thanks, mate. You know, the, the, it's always fun getting up to speed with Zoom, isn't it? You know, technical stuff, but... What Carl's trying to say is that you <laughs> such rubbish at Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. No, no, no. Well, the, it's... You know, uh, through RGM, I get to meet loads of new people, and re- what's really important to me is to share um, the stories of people that are trying to do their own little thing within this music industry and um and thanks for joining us today mate let's have a chat no worries no worries i'm happy to be i'm happy to be here yeah good lad mate so uh, yeah for people that might not be aware of who you are and what you do yusuf introduce yourself let us know a little bit about you right so um i'm solo artist from northwest um for the past five six years I've i've been playing guitar in quite a lot of bands yeah but Quite recently, I've because I can't sing. Okay, I've taught myself how to MC, which is quite an All interesting right. turn of events. Yeah. I've been rapping over grime, uh, a bit of trap, and now what I've been doing is live looping and actually spitting over those beats. So while you have a certain demographic of musicians who are like 
rappers don't do music, rappers aren't musicians. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but I'm playing guitar while rapping, so shut up. <laughs> right. oh, nice. oh, that's good. So, uh, and whereabouts in the north? Did you say northwest? Yeah, yeah, northwest. So I'm from a town called uh, Burnley. It's oh, a bit yeah. up north from Manchester. So if you get a quick bus, it's like yeah. 10, no, no, I'm exaggerating there. It's half an hour on bus from Manchester, X43, and you're in um, a town called Burnley. Um, Love a little place. Fully aware of Burnley. Uh, Burnley Football Club stole Sheffield United's best player the day before the transfer deadline. And Sander Berger. Uh, I'm a Sheffield United fan, mate. I'm still a bit bitter about that transfer, to be honest. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to hear about that one. <laughs> I'm only joking. Think, are, you, are you a football fan? I'm, anyway? I'm not really that. Um, I'm not that into footy. Oh, are you? So, okay. there'll, there'll be people I know though who will be like rinsing you for that. So like. <laughs> Uh, it is what it is there. Sorry to hear that happen with you. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, mate, the door's just gone. I'll be two six. Promise you, I'll be straight back. Like it. It's fine. Sorry about that, bud. Right then. So, uh, yeah, so from right, so Burnley, right? Okay. So, what was Burnley like growing up uh, as a young lad, just making his way into life? Talk, talk us through what what it was like politically around you, and what you were like at school, and that kind of stuff. Give us a bit of background on you. Uh, I mean, I mean, at school, like uh, it was kind of standard, like everyone fat from themselves kind of energy. Mm. Um, if you weren't part of the cool kids, you weren't really getting anywhere. So, uh, being in that area, I was just like, right, how do I make myself interesting in such a small town? Yeah. So, I taught myself how to play guitar. A lot of it was, um, I was playing bits of My Chemical Romance, uh, Blackfield Brads, all like the alternative, like, Mosher sort of bands. Ah, okay. And then I just uh, obviously flipped the switch. In terms of, like, political landscape in my area, I won't. I won't sugarcoat it. It's not a very nice place in terms of like how people treat each other, and it does make me a bit bad. Well, that's what I write my music about. I can kind of like put that out there in a form which might mm. not be too negative. You're actually making art out of it. So okay. there's always that. Um, I find yeah. a lot of power in that. It's pretty cool. No, I can imagine. So, um, so in what way is it is it really difficult then? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, I'll be straight up with you. It's like really racist round here. <laughs> oh right. Yeah, it's one of those. But like, so what? What kind? What kind of area is it? Is it? It's just. It's just not, barely, not very multi multicultural. No, it, it, it's multicultural, but mm. in the sense that the people who live around here don't really like get on with each other. Oh, like, it's yeah. a bit stressful. So that's why most of my operations are based in Manchester for that reason because around here it's a bit more difficult when you're Asian so like Manchester's more accepting if that makes sense like you don't get the same opportunities here because they don't want the brown guy on stage whereas um, Manchester it's a lot more diverse there's a lot more people like doing this sort of thing and it's a better environment Mm. so that's why I play there a lot more No I can can imagine that being difficult you know from a being a a white person myself I don't I, I, I you know 
I, I, I don't fully appreciate and understand how difficult it is from 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 different points of view. So it's interesting to to hear different stories about that. Has that has that gave you a bit of a impetus to to say fuck you to these people type thing? You know, how has it manifested inside you to to fight against all that bullshit? I just kind of get on with it. If I'm honest with you, like yeah. that's kind of but at the end of the day, you can't be you can't be in control of other people's like, actions. And as frustrating mm-hmm. as it can be, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Instead of trying to like boot a door down, which is close in your face, like you go where you're welcome. Yeah. And that's, that's where I find the best uh, solutions for myself. Yeah. And so far, so, so far, so good. Yeah, no, no, it's, a, it, it's always, there's always a, a fascinating journey. And, you know, when, when things aren't as, when, when there's not a clear path for some people than what it is for, could appear to be other people uh it, it must be really frustrating uh was it like that in school as well before you started to get into music or is it just since you moved to the area or what is it always been like that for you i think when it, i think when it comes to school it's uh kind of a i think schools everyone's a bit of a dick i think that's just part <laughs> of the problem yeah no do you know what i mean that's just kind of like standard and i also think i don't think it's uh for me, at least, I don't think it's worth holding on to like yeah. the sort of okay. that used to go on at school. Like, don't get me wrong; it was like everyone scrapping. Like, I'll acknowledge that any day. Yeah. But I think like real life is very different to school life, and it kind of hits you in the teeth. Like when mm. you get to that point, that it's a complete different uh, dynamic. Yeah. Is it? Was it more difficult to go into a creative industry? being from where you're from then? Um, I wouldn't say getting into it itself was difficult, if that makes sense. Like, getting, learning to play guitar and trying to like show off, like, hey, look at me, I'm a musician now. Yeah. Um, that in itself wasn't that much of a difficult task. I think it was just an opportunity thing mm. because um, a lot of it's, like, there is racial preference in certain areas. Mm. So, like, to get those first gigs might be a bit harder, do you know what I mean? Mm. Whereas now I've kind of got out of that area in terms of, like, when I'm at, where I actually play, it's on a bit more of a level playing field now. Yeah. I still notice differences, don't get me wrong. Uh, you probably see me rant about it on the internet now <laughs> and then. <laughs> but, like, it's not as bad, I don't think, at the moment. Okay. What What was your latest rant all about, then, if people haven't seen it? Which one? That's a good question. Well, no, well just what what seems to be the main theme of all the rants then? Um, lack of. So at the moment, I was like, um, we've got a progressiveness, a progressiveness in music, which isn't isn't real. I suppose that's the only way I can pinpoint it. So what we kind of have at the moment is people like, right, say there's a, a cause A, cause B, cause C. What people are kind of doing is attaching themselves to whatever cause it is, not because they care about the cause, but because it's a way that they can brand themselves and gain the, I suppose, the walk fans. That's the only way I can simplify it. But whenever it comes to anything like really serious, you'll notice that those artists are really quiet on them. So then it's almost like your management will let you do the bare minimum. It's like you can paint your fingernails and call Rishi Sonakabella and then it's like, right, spot on, mate. 
you are a political artist, you've won it. It's like, that's really surface level. Do you understand what I mean? And yeah, that yeah, sort of shuts yeah. me out because I don't yeah. see it as, I don't see it as honest. That's kind of where I get with that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, that, that's interesting. And uh, what, what do you class as a woke artist then? Well, I don't, t- to be honest with you, I don't kind of, me myself, I don't really believe in the whole woke artist. Mm. I believe every artist has their own messages that they want to get out there. Yeah. But I feel like I feel like calling yourself a woke artist in itself is a bit like self indulgent. You should be a good person and a good good writer because that's just who you are. It shouldn't be like um shouldn't be a thing. I, I, that's the way I yeah. can explain it. Well, I, I can remember when woke uh, when it first came out as a word, it was kind of celebrated. Really, it was people trying to understand other people's feelings, and it was kind of it, it, it was kind of uh, like a uh, it, it was a nice thing, but it, it's got a bit of a, um, you know, it, it, it's, it doesn't mean the same to everybody now woke. It means people that are just like, <laughs> I don't know, they're just like out there with, uh, and they're like, just like, it, it's like a new thing in it that I'm still trying to get my head around what it is because I don't fucking know. Um, you know, I, I'm 45, so I, you know, it, it, it's more of for the, for the, for the younger people, the, the younger community out there that have, that have really embraced what they think woke is for for, for me personally if i'm honest about it i, I, I think you know it, it, every so often in life these different things come up don't they and it just takes a while for it all to calm down and for it to uh fully be, be fully understood and for people to appreciate it you know when you ram anything down anybody's throat people are going to be like fuck off i can't be asked with that <laughs> um, you know, you know what I mean. In the when you're in the real world and that kind of stuff, uh, and 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 it's difficult to talk about without like trying to offend anybody, and that's the least thing we want to do. We just want to have open conversations about these things. But when, where, as a bloke of a certain age, if somebody's trying to ram, I don't know, like like pronouns down somebody's neck and say I'm, I'm not going to reply to somebody if they don't uh, use the right pronouns, then okay, I'll, I'll call you whatever you want, mate. I'm not that bothered, but, you know, it's, it's your fight, not mine, that one. You know, I'm, I, I, I'll call you whatever you want. Just, you know, it, it it's different for, it's different for the older generation to uh, to understand how important the younger generation feel about these type of things as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I feel like a lot of these arguments that they bring to the table are definitely things that, we should take serious because like every generation, I suppose has its, has its fight yeah. of like things yeah. that they're trying to like overcome. Yeah. And that just happens to be one of the main talking points of the last, uh, definitely of the last decade I've noticed. Yeah. Now it's not a table I sit at, so it's not something I understand. Yeah. It's like similar to, but I do also. Oh, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it at all, mate. I, I don't want that to come across. I'm, I'm still trying to get my head round, round it all and how it fits in society and how to, and how to not be a bell end with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I just don't, I don't, you know, it's just, it's just going to take me a little bit longer than probably other people to, to get my head around it is, is just being honest yeah. about it. Yeah. No, which is fair enough, but I think that's the best, best answer more people can, can give on yeah. that sort of stuff. I don't feel it sounds like a strange thing to say. I don't feel like everyone has to be understanding. Mm. I feel like everyone has to just not be shit to people that are different. Like for yeah. it's like what you uh, mentioning the pronoun thing. I'm not like that, but I also understand that people 
feel like that. Yeah. So me myself, I'm not going to turn around and like demand that people use binary language in the sense that I would. Yeah. And if they come to, and they want to be referred to by those pronouns, mm-hmm. I'm going to refer to them by those pronouns because it's yeah. what they want and it it's something that adds respect in themselves. So it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm, I'll do that. I'll follow up if it. You, they're not harming anyone else. You know what I mean? That's why I always get a bit yeah. weirded out by the whole um, J.K. Rowling stuff and the turf stuff yeah. because I'm kind of like, simply put, in the nicest way possible, <laughs> I don't understand why someone on the outside of that would care about it as much as... Yeah. They, they, it's almost like they care more than the people that it actually affects. Yeah. And that's what always like weirds me out. It's like, why are you bothered? Like, make more books. Actually, no, don't make more books. <laughs> make more books. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> No, I agree with you. Just you know, you you know, stick to your own lane sometimes. And well, I don't know. I, I don't. Um, I don't agree with what I've just said there. Really, stick to your own lanes. You've got to. You've got to put yourself. Out, you've got to put your, <laughs> yeah, that, that's not the right thing to say either. You've got to. You've got to get yourself out of your comfort zone to understand different communities and different opinion on things. And then by doing that, generally, you should have a better opinion on. You know, being nice to people when you understand more different uh, points of view. Surely. 100%. And all that we spoke about there is like, I'm fully of the view of being being sound to people. Mm. I, I think I, well, the reason I'm saying that I don't kind of want to want the whole walk thing I was on about before to be misinterpreted as yeah. like, oh, I, I don't like people who are socially active. It's not yeah. in the, it's not in the sense that I feel that socially active things are negative or a bad thing. Yeah. It's just, I understand how, whether it be bands, artists, even businesses, yeah. hijack certain movements for gain to make effectively use other people's suffering to make them seem like they are good people and then you effectively give those people money. And that's kind of what's been stressing me out because there's, there's been situations in my life. So a few years ago, there was, I won't go overly specific about it because yeah, sure. I don't want to throw shit at you, yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, but, sure. Um, there was a situation where there was a group of people doing events in my area. Mm. Now, the events themselves were run on the basis of like, oh, it's anti-racism. Uh, we want to help black and brown people in the industry and all this sort of thing. And I'm like, you know what? I can get behind that. That's a really yeah. cool thing. But what I realized that they were doing is they were using like our problems as a way to like platform themselves. So for example, they I'd get invited to play one of these anti-racist events, yeah. I'd be the very first artist on a bill full of non-minorities. Right. And those said non-minorities were all the promoters' friends. Right. And in terms of the funds, so say, for example, it's 20 quid on the door. I'm not saying that's how much you were, but just for random yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. So say you're paying money at the door. We was under the assumption that it was going to charities, medical aid for Palestine, all this sort of thing. Right. Um, there were no like paper trail of like where that money were going and it were kind of like well what are you using this money for yeah. if none of us are getting paid and it's like supposedly supposedly for charity yeah. and I kind of see that as an example when a course has been used by people who want to make themselves look good and, and even profit off that cause yeah. without much respect being given to the people mm. that like are suffering makes sense oh yeah it's 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 Pure virtue signaling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's what I'm getting at, and that's yeah. what bitter old Yusuf gets a problem with sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, 
Well, keep the fight yeah. going, mate. You know, I, I can see just by having a chat with you, you're passionate about what you do and that kind of stuff. So when we, how old were you when you first picked up a guitar then? When I first picked up a guitar, mm. I was 16, I think, 16, 17. It was um, mid-teens anyway. I was starting on the Mark M train, like playing Nan and Nana. Bit of Paramore as well, actually. Yeah, I started on the alt scene when it came to music, yeah. uh, mid-teens. Quite fun. The rapping came much later. <laughs> so, uh, were you in like? Did you mention you're in like bands and stuff um, before you went started doing MT and your and your loop stuff? Yeah, so uh, I was in quite a lot of alternative bands. So like, um, I was in a couple. My first ever band was terrible. Like <laughs> everyone's first bands. What was the name? What was the band name? No, nah, no, nah, we ain't, we ain't got. Come on, uh, come on, Yusuf. It was called Hazel Loud Ravens. Oh, nice. Okay. Right. Okay. Short onto her. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, as a teenager, I fancied someone with brown eyes. Oh, right. Just, just, yeah. Okay. yeah it, it's, it's a bit wet. I'm not going to lie. Well, every, everybody's is, so that is fine, mate. It's fine. Mate. <laughs> just own it. Own yeah. it. It was a wet move on my behalf, but <laughs> it, it was done. Yeah. We had a song called Fly Away, which was recorded on a laptop. It yeah. was just like, yeah. oh, man, cringe. But it was fun, like, because if I didn't go through that, and if I didn't do it, I wouldn't have got to what I'm doing now. Yeah, I think I had to be... I think you've got to be in a couple of shit bands before you realise what your direction is musically. What? And it's those, like, experiences where you're playing at a random pub. There's four people there. Yeah. Um, you suck, that kind of like uh, build your foundation. Yeah. You need you need those foundational moments before you move past it. You shouldn't skip the line. It's okay to suck at first, effectively, is what yeah. I'm saying. Of course it is. Every, nobody's great when, when you first start off. I, 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 I always say it. Um, sorry, we're, I lost my train of thought there. So we're, we're, was it with school friends then or people from your area, the other people in the band? How did you, how did you create like a band around you? So the band, it came it came at college, actually. So I used to do oh, right. music yeah. in Burnley. Hmm. Um, again, this is when I hadn't really fully developed my skills. There was a girl that went to the college that like, I'd seen about and I could tell that they could sing. And I'm like, hey, do you want to yeah. form a band? It, they weren't even like, uh, what's the word? They weren't even a hazing process or like, actually getting to know me. It's just like, you do music, yeah. I do music, let's do bands. Um, we just started recording songs on a laptop and... We just went with it. We ended up getting a... We played on a radio station, actually. I've just realised that. We played on Halifax Radio, uh, Phoenix FM. And we played, like, Nirvana covers, which was strange because we had our own song. We just said, like, you know what? Let's go on the radio and play Polly Wants a Cracker. (laughs) For whatever reason. All right, fair enough. Random. Yeah, it was quite strange, but it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. And, and like, so the first band then, how how did you decide that um, this is not going to be my path in life? I need something different. Because the breaking up of a band and starting new ones, that's a, that's um, a, that's a, that's an interesting journey just in itself. Talk us through how you... It was, it was a lot of trauma and heartbreak and I was very, very sad about the whole situation. Okay. <laughs> um, what happened is um, we eventually got a drummer on board yeah. and it was were, were a pretty good drummer, to be fair. But then when he left... Um, one of our members were kind of just like, oh, I know a guy who knows the guy who plays drum. We had one band practice with the guy and it was very evident that he weren't a musical person, which is fine because we weren't that musical either. But like, I feel that like when it's the drums in particular, yeah. 
that is a very important element. And if your drummer can't drum, any gig you play is going to be yeah. a, a shit show. So I said to the person who got this person involved, I was like, do we want to continue doing this? And he's like, no, I want this drummer. They're my friend. And I'm like, yeah, that's bad. Well, yeah, they might be a friend, but they're shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of left on those terms because I realized that if we keep going in this direction, we're not going to yeah. expand musically. So I just, after yeah. that, what ended up happening is I joined a couple of different bands. I formed like an emo band that lasted for a year. Then what was the emo band called? Playing, what was the emo band called? Uh, Exit Berlin. Okay. A little bit better. Yeah. We, <laughs> Not quite there yet with your name, but, you know, it's getting better. Yeah, but, you know, you can admit it's a shit name. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take it on shit. That okay. was a rubbish name. Okay. played a couple of uh, gigs around the yeah. Northwest. That yeah. one actually did okay, to be fair, but we didn't right. get to the stage of recording. Hmm. A lot of that was internal issues, like we'd pick the wrong people. Yeah. Similar sort of thing happened when I was playing bass for a folk band, which that was all right, but I think the... I think the terms of the band were misinterpreted on both sides. We were kind of under the impression that we was all a band, whereas the longer down the line we got, we realised that we was effectively session artists that weren't yeah. getting paid, if that sort of right. got makes sense. So when I realised yeah. that, I'm like, well, I ain't doing this. I'm effectively building someone else's career. Yeah. But after all those missteps, you kind of realise it's like, right, if you are going to be in a band, it has to be one that really makes sense. And I'm not completely against being in the band now. Well, I kind of still want to be, but I wouldn't just jump into it because I've kind of understood. Bands themselves depend on who's on the, in the band with you. And if everyone isn't on the same page, it's destined to fail because you don't have a healthy foundation. Yeah. So that's what eventually like, pushed me into going solo. The whole solo thing was kind of just like a temporary thing initially. I'm like, oh, be solo. And the more I did it, I realised, hang on, actually, I like doing this and I can actually get somewhere with it. Mm. So then I stuck stuck at it and I've got further being a solo artist than I ever have been in a band. So it's kind of kind of cool, but I also still miss playing live with other people as well. Yeah, there, there is a community around a band and it, 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 can, it can be quite like an isolating place if you're just on your own as well, can't it? Because when we have gigs on and there's somebody on their own and they've... they've, they've They've had a long drive to get to the gig and that kind of stuff, and then they're driving back for hours after on their own if they're out and about, or even if it's just a local thing. It's quite, um, it's a different experience in it. Uh, you, you are on your own, you know, all the decisions are yours, everything's on you. But sometimes people like that because you, you're in more, you're, you're in control of things, and you, and you don't have to, you don't have to get five people in the same place to rehearse or to a gig, and uh, and and those five people don't have extra problems that you can't, <laughs> that aren't your problems, but they are in a way. Well, I add into that point the fact that majority of like the majority of musicians are, are in full time work. Yeah. So imagine you've got three to five full time workers with mm-hmm. different schedules, different lives. Yeah. You have to get them in a room together, get them to write music together. Yeah. And you've also got to have some form of direction when it comes to the marketing and like yeah. building the mm-hmm. brand itself. Yeah. That is put it in perspective that's hard so i've got a lot of bands that are still going even when like they're full-time adults like you'll see a lot of teenage bands and they're proper like smashing it and it's like yeah but none of you are working which is fine yeah but when when you're working it's completely different like it's so many different dynamics so that's definitely one of the but the pros yeah like you were saying i feel like there is there is definitely a community aspect to it 
especially like if you've done a gig, like you can sit in the green room, have a nap with each other. Yeah. And like, even give each other feedback on how we've all played. It's like, hey, do you reckon <laughs> you smashed it tonight? Yeah. There's that element that's missing when you solo. It's definitely isolating. I think the best way to put it, more freedom, more control, yeah. less community. Yeah. Okay. So it's a bit of a trade-off in it, I suppose. And uh, do you feel like you're more productive now? You're getting more shit done now you're on your own? Yeah. Yeah. This year, not so much purely because yeah. of how busy I've been, but like mm. overall, like I feel like I can do a lot more as a solo artist than I yeah. did in bands because obviously you've got the back and forth between bands. Like someone's trying to make a rock song. The other one's trying to make a jazz fusion song or something like yeah. that. When you're on your own, you can focus more. But the negative side to that is if you're not fully on it, there's no one to motivate you, but yourself. So you have yeah. to keep yourself motivated. Mm. No one's going to like, give you that poke in the back to push you forward. You've got to do that for yourself. Yeah, true. So that's, there's a trade-off in that as well. And it is hard. You know, I work full-time and I do RGM stuff. I know, you know, how many hours there are in the day sometimes and it's and it's tough, but it, it's not really work. This is it, music. Is it? No, it's not. That's the thing. It's not. And <laughs> I think that's the work actually you've got to have. If you're doing it, even the event management side, because I've, st- I've dipped my yeah. toes in that pond. I know how it is on Sly. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, you do it out of passion. You 100% do it out of passion because, like, the trade-off in terms of financial gain out of it isn't no. isn't what people would think it is. Yeah. Even at, like, the grander levels, there's artists out there who are, like, on radio all the time, they're playing festivals. Mm. They're not, they're not, they don't have as much dosage as you think. Yeah. It's quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, it definitely is. And I, I we, on a previous episode, we had Neil Hargreaves on from Aggressive Management, and he was saying... You'll, you'll, you'll see some of these big touring bands, but some of them have still got, you know, a bar job or something just to keep the bills paid and to pay the rent and that kind of stuff. They're still they're still out there. So even even people you think have made it, they haven't yet. Uh, there's touring costs, merch, all the taxes that you get on merch in some venues and all this kind of stuff. There, there's a lot. Oh, yeah, merch, it, 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 I forget about that. Yeah, there's all, there's all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm fascinated with the event side of it. So running gigs myself. Oh, one thing that Neil said on this podcast as well was, you know, if 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 a band is um, not feeling like it's getting the opportunity that it that it needs, uh, learn about what it's like as a promoter and learn that part of the industry yourself, and you'll get a better appreci- you'll you'll get a better appreciation of um, how much work goes into a gig, even if you're not paid or whatever, or you know whatever the the deal may be for tickets, the ticket split, all that kind of stuff. You'll have a better appreciation of why that's not the case sometimes and why promoters sometimes can't pay if if the sales aren't good enough or whatever. And I know this too well from putting on gigs that venues are more expensive these days post-COVID. Everybody's put the prices up. Um, yeah. As a result of that, you've got to put your ticket prices up a little bit. That makes it more difficult for the average person to come to the gig because every fuck is skin. Uh, it all has a knock-on effect on everybody and it, and it, and it just makes uh, it, putting on an event with all the best intentions ever to pay everybody, you know, as, as much as possible. Sometimes it's just not possible. I, to talk me through your journey of going into event management yourself and setting up gigs. Event management, funny, funny enough, actually, it's actually because of what you explained, you know, the opportunities thing. Mm. So like when it came to like me trying to get involved in Manchester, I'm realizing like, yeah. right, hang on, no one's just going to give me like a, Here's, here's a gig, sir. Here's a gig on the silver platter. Yeah. You've got to put the work in yourself. So what I started doing is going at it DIY. So what that would mean is exactly what you're on about, putting on my own show, shows, yeah. booking myself, 
within reason, I'm never going to put myself as a headline because that's narcissistic as hell. <laughs> but like, put me on show, get a couple of mates on, yeah. and like, just run it as if I was the promoter of that yeah. gig. And it's it's an eye opener because, like, like you say yourself, a lot of people give, let's be honest, like abuse to promoters as well. Like, yeah. oh, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, and it's like yeah. the costs involved in running these events because the venue hire is quite expensive sometimes. Yeah. And if you get it on a day which is free, there's usually a reason that the venue's free on that day. Yeah, Monday or Tuesday, like, nobody's like, out anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like, hey, you can have it for free today because we want you to try and drag people to the venue because it's dead today. Yeah. <laughs> so you're already on um, an uphill battle on that. But it's been interesting because you get to meet a lot of people when you do event management. Yeah. And you get to see a newer side to it and like be cool with a lot of the scene. I'll yeah. tell you what, one, one thing, the musicians and artists, um, so there's that benefit as well. <laughs> Say that again for me. The Zoom just dropped a bit. Musicians are what? Um, musicians are nicer to you when they realise you're a promoter. Okay. Like, there's a lot of privilege there. The black part. I don't like Yusuf and shit at guitar yeah. or whatever. And then it's like, oh, he's a promoter. Hi, Yusuf. Oh, hi. Uh, do you want to check out our song? Yeah. Complete different dynamic when they realise you're a promoter. Some are. Some aren't, though. Some are annoyed with you because you, you, you haven't sold out the venue and, they, and, and, they're, and they're on first and there's 15 people in, sometimes five people in. Uh, and they're annoyed, they're annoyed with me for not selling tickets to go and see their band. There's that side yeah, of it but it doesn't well. work that way. No <laughs> one goes, oh, I, I am going to watch the promoter. Yeah. Watch that promoter stand on stage. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. if people want to see the artist or not. Yeah. I had it a few years ago. I booked an event with some friends yeah. and myself and my friend were playing and we booked someone and were like, right, these guys seem like they're big and this is something you'll probably pick up on doing it as well. Like they have thousands of streams. Yeah. Um, put them as a headline. Me and my f- people showed up to watch me and my friends. After me and my friend had finished, half the crowd left. And they were just stood there on stage, like for four people left, and it were like, "Oh!" But the reason that happens is because they fake, they they following. If that makes sense, so you can. Yeah. It's a whole industry. It's really corrupt. But people what? like can pay for streams on Spotify and all this sort of thing. And to a, to the untrained eye, it can seem legitimate. And I bought into it at first. Now I know what to look out for. If they've got lo- loads of streams in Helsinki or something, it's like, well. Right, I don't know how someone from Manchester's got about well, hundred listeners in Helsinki, twenty of them in India. It's like, nah, mate, you're chatting. Yeah, you've got <laughs> you've got good instinct there. I I never book a band on streams. I don't make any difference to me. It don't, it don't mean the people are going to come to your gig, and you no idea where those streams are from. Um, I tend to, if it's a new band, I'll put them on first on a gig. And if I see they make an effort with promotion and trying to get people in, even if they don't get many people in, I'll book them again further up. And, and you know, I trust them. I trust them to, that they're going to advertise the gig. These these fuckers that complain about everything, um, uh, that they're on first and nobody turned up to see them when they haven't promoted the gig themselves. There's a lot of that about, which is frustrating. Yeah, and they should be promoting it to their listeners as well. Yeah. Because like, they, will, they won't have many. If, uh, well, some of them might have a lot. Yeah. But if they're on first, more often than not, they don't have like the biggest listener base. But at least, at least bring your fan base down to this instead of like going, yeah. I want the bigger bands to supply me an audience. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, too right. Too right. So has that put you in good stead now as a, as a soloist yourself? You know, how has running gigs 
Um, has it given you confidence to? It, it's a great networking thing, isn't it? So you do meet more people, you do get more opportunities, and that opens more doors. Um, I'm speaking from my side of it. How is it on your side? My side of it has just given me a more rational view, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like being able to be involved in that while being an artist, I kind of, I kind of sit at both sides of the table and. Yeah. Whenever I see a discourse online of people kicking off about promoters, I'm, I'll, I'll take a step back and like, right, if I were promoting it, how would I do this? Yeah. And when I think into it, some of the bands that, that are kicking off are being drama queens. But <laughs> some of them have got valid concerns as well. Some of them do have valid concerns, which is fair enough, but not all of the time. Yeah. So it's, it's put me in a middle ground where I'm more appreciative of what people like yourself do. Yeah. And I can like maybe perhaps reason with artists that are like making things that aren't that bad seem a lot worse than they are in terms yeah. of um, promotion. Oh, I get that. So, so you're, out yeah. there, you're out there in the world doing your solo stuff then now, mate. So tell us all about, you know, you, what you're doing now. What, so talk, so introduce your music to the RGM people. Okay, so in terms of genre, if you guys are looking for consistency, it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, um, most of my music that's out in the universe, it's been... It's been live loops, so I'm making yeah. like the music itself. It's not like me nicking a beat off YouTube and spitting over it. Yeah. Um, making a live loop, I'll speak my truth on whatever matter it is. It's really nice. Um, I've got a song called Eager Revival. It's got a bit of a reggae feel to it. Nice. Um song called Time Machine, which is really like, got a bit of an old school sound, so the genre's a bit everywhere. Mm. In terms of what I've got coming, so on the 14th of November, you might be listening to this after the 14th of November, so <laughs> yeah. Fair dues. Um, I've got a song called, coming out called Fiend. Yeah. Now, this was an interesting experience because I didn't plan to write it the way it came out. Mm. So I wrote this song were in Blackburn at a place called Esh House, which is a studio which was run by a band called Ugly Club, a band that you've actually interviewed yeah. on this uh, podcast. The old Nova Story. The, the Nova Story people. Yeah, yeah. When they was on under the... Old alias. Yeah. I actually listened Top to that. They were really amazing really people. Cool. Genuine. They're amazing. Duncan, um, <laughs> they're just they're fantastic. Fantastic. Honestly, fantastic people. The biggest help to me ever because mm. instead of like trying to enforce a way of working on me, they just like let me like let loose a little bit. Yeah. I went to and um, they just like oh I want to record a TikTok, but I want the TikTok to sound a bit professional, and it was like okay, but. <clears throat> Sorry about the cough there. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, TikTok. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to record something simple. And while I was there, like, hang on a minute, this could actually be a song. It's like, oh, I'm not close mind. I don't mind what's on the song. Could have some drums on it. It's like, yeah, we can have some drums on it. And it's like, oh, I might put some guitar. Yeah, we can have guitar. And then, like, as we're going through it, what was initially meant to just be like a 45 second video yeah. turned out to be an entire metal rap song, <laughs> which, yeah, the song that's coming out is a metal rap. Um, nice. a bit different to what's out in the universe at the moment <laughs> but, how did Imogen and Ducky how did they produce you then how did they work with you what were they like to work with because I, I, I've met them once really briefly at Tramlines uh, a couple of mm-hmm. years ago and they're just you know, lovely people obviously uh, but I've mainly spoke to and we, you know we've covered them on RGM and stuff and uh, Imogen's just one of the funniest person I've ever met in my life or seen online I just think she's fantastic what, what was she like to work with 
really kind on one. Like she yeah. she gives you a lot of space. Mm. Not space like oh she runs around with you. Runs away from you, Jesus Christ, what I'm word in there. Um, <laughs> the, oh, the reason I'm this tired is because I went to see Creeper last night. Which oh, okay. Is um, yeah, she gives you a lot of space in the studio in terms of like letting you be the creative that you want to be. Yeah. She's always very good with feedback as well. So I feel like in some studio settings, they might be too polite to you because like they want to be professional. But Imo, the energy I get from Imo, is that if something sounds shit, they'll just say straight up, that bit shit, we need to change that. Right. But I kind of respect that because it keeps yeah. things um, moving forward. Like Imogen is one of the nicest people I've worked with in terms of music, yeah. straight up. Same with Ducker. Like, yeah, good people. Like, they gave me a lot of space. They, and we turned out with that song, so yeah, I'm buzzing about it. Well, they're finding their own way in the music industry, and they've and they've built. I know they've had some problems with the studio and that kind of stuff, and I hope it all sorts itself out for them. And I need to get them on the podcast and have a new updated chat with them soon. Um, but they've created a, and October Drift have done a similar kind of thing where they've basically created a business around the band. So they've created a studio, and the studio they get people in that pay for recordings and that kind of stuff, and that helps them fund the studio, their own little business, and then they can put some of that money into the band as well and get cracking with that so it's another way to diversify to make it i don't know just to try and get somewhere in this fucking music industry it's hard work isn't it yeah it it is hard work but i know what you mean i do think that it's not really beautiful for the community and like found a way to like cross over their personal project with like a professional one Mm. even though the club let's be honest they are quite professional aren't they yeah but it, it was a good way that they did it, and I, I I hope that Ash House comes back as well. I know they've got the GoFundMe running and like they written quite a bit of funds. Last I heard, this might be wrong, so this is just me remembering. Yeah. But last I heard, I believe they was in the process of rebuilding the studio, and if that is the yeah. case, I, I wish them all but best with that because purely for selfish reasons, so I can record more music with them. Yeah. Work with them. Yeah. Nice. No, I love that. I love that. So, uh, so um, you know, if uh, within the description of this podcast, there'll be a link to your music, mate. So if if somebody's hovering over that link at the minute uh, and they've not clicked it yet to check out your tunes, what would you say to those people, Yusuf? Um, beware. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I genuinely hope whoever clicks that link has, like, the best time. I think you'll enjoy the song. Yeah. Um. The song that's coming out is very different to what I've put out before. So if you're a fan of my old stuff, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a step up. Mm. But I'm proud of it. I think um, a lot of work went into it, and it's very true to form of what I can actually make. Mm. If you like it, a lot more music like that's coming soon. I'm going to be a bit heavier with my sound, so nice. stick around if you're into that sort of thing. Nice one, mate. Well, uh, Yusuf, I've really enjoyed having a chat with you today and getting to know you, mate. And. Uh... I know the Argent people will as well. Um, so keep going, mate. I know it's a it's a it's a long road. We're all on it in in his own little way, aren't we? You're never on your own though. If you need anything, you know where we are, and we're going to be supporting you on RGM as much as we can as well, mate. Nice one. Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate that, Carl. Cheers, pal. No, it's sick. Uh, thank you for everything. Ah, oh, cheers, Yusuf. Nice one, mate. Yeah, there we go. Another little bonus episode for you this midweek, ladies and gentlemen. Do check out his tunes within the description of this podcast. Small world, innit? Uh, you know, we had Ugly Club on the podcast previously, but when they was under their previous name. I must get them on again. Definitely must get them on again. Imogen and Ducky. If you're listening, let's get it sorted. 
sending you a message soon. Nice one. Don't know why I've gone all mank. Anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, a busy week. As always here at RGM, sharing uh, real life stories. And um, we're having a few AI issues on RGM this week that I'll talk to you about on Monday's episode. Um, yeah, it's going to be frustrating. Uh, the industry's rife with AI and we just need to uh, keep an eye out for it. Creeping into the industry, I think. Uh, but yeah, I'll tease you with that and I'll see you Monday, ladies and gentlemen. So, thanks for joining us today. I will see you very soon. Toodaloo! Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe and tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support, and we'll see you next week.